one of the missions last year was this impacting 1,000 women. And as yourself, when you create these small missions, these goals, it has to be something tangible. I could not say, I will impact as many women as I can. True. Or you have to put a number. This is where I said, okay, 1,000, and at the end were 10,000. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the new episode of VEU Executive Academy podcast, where we give you exclusive insights from some of the brightest leaders today who all have one thing in common. They are or were students of our MBA programs. I'm Chadomir Pushica, your host, and it is my task to ask the right questions so that you can learn more about the person, their industry, their mindset, and how they manage to bring positive change to businesses and their communities. My guest today set it as her goal in 2020 to influence 1,000 women and girls in IT and beyond. She decided to tell her story about what helped her get to the top, starting from zero. She came to Austria without a job, without contacts, and she did not even speak the German language. You probably know who she is, and if you don't, you'll soon meet Adela Mehidjanic. She has more than eight years of international experience in leading sales and business development in the telecommunication and the Internet of Things industry. She is currently leading the global business development team at the software company Maboko AG that is specialized in the IoT industry for the largest Tier 1 telecom operators in the world. She holds a master's degree in telecommunications from the University of Sarajevo, as well as the MBA degree from the Vienna University of Economics and the Technical University of Vienna. I could go on and on. So without further ado, let's welcome Adela. Hi, Adela. Dobrodošla. Welcome to the show. Hi, Chadomir. Hi, thank you for having me. Hvala na I'm so, so enthused about having you here. So, wow. A networking goal of reaching 1,000 women and girls in IT and beyond is quite high. Yeah. What were the fruits of your efforts? I went to, I would say, like over 40 stages. So that means I deliver over 40 talks, networking events, trainings, more than five interviews, more than five times featured in different magazines. And it is so important how it started. So it started with this idea of mine. I want to do something. I have to do something. And I had this feeling that I want to have this story out. Just when you know with yourself and say, now is the time where I feel that I can tell this story and hope that with that I can inspire some of the people around me, especially women in tech, to try something new out, to dream bigger, to say, okay, I can do it, or I need a mentor, or networking can help me, and so on and so forth. So it was a very, very bold idea back then. So I still remember crafting that first LinkedIn post and saying, I want to do this and asking, of course, my LinkedIn network if they have any ideas how to do this or if they have any contacts or maybe they are part of some communities and so on. I would be very grateful if they could introduce me. And this is basically how it started. So very, very, very crazy and enthusiastic back then. And what happened during the year, it's just something that I will probably tell to my grandchildren uh, (laughs) because it allowed me, so it's really a privilege 
to meet so many women and men throughout the year and to deliver my story and to be the person that get this feedback later on, like, yeah, you helped me here or your advice gave me the courage to finally you know, go to that first event or to write to that person to be my mentor or just to try something new out and or find another job or whatever, you know, write the first LinkedIn post. There was a lot of variety in, in what I was doing and how I was impacting people around me. And this attracted many, many people into my life, many communities, as I said, over 40 different stages. And one of them, of course, from the beginning was the VO Executive Academy. So they supported me from the very first start. So my very first post that I told you about it was supported through the VO Executive Academy, specifically through our Dean, Barbara Stöttinger, and as well our network working master Gina Etilbos. So they were on board from the very first post, from the very first action, including Female Leaders Network, where I'm a vice president. So it was a bold idea. And thanks to the people around me that saw themselves as well in, in that story and saw that mission as part of their mission. That's what makes it even more beautiful, that people are just engaged into it and say, okay, yeah, I really, I see what you want to achieve and I'm 100% on board. Now I have this idea or that idea, or I don't have any contacts at the moment, but I will think about it. I will think about it. And if something comes around, I'm happy to connect you to different people. Yeah. And yeah, so... A lot has happened and my heart is full and I'm very, I can say, very enthusiastic and positive about our future because I've seen people that talk to me about what they want to achieve in their life. And sometimes you just need this little push. So in most of the cases, people just need this small push where someone says, I believe in you, that you can do that and you should go for that. Or here is a contact of mine that could help you or you should have a call with this person or go out there. And that's what makes me really optimistic and very positive about our future. Thank you. This was excellent. And I want to really build upon the networking, but we'll come to that. What I want to go back to now that you mentioned actually that huge drive that you had, that you had this feeling, something inside of you, and you wanted to share that with the world. When did you get that revelation? Can you think of the attributes you actually acquired to make you want to share the truth, so to say, what you have inside. And also one of the really important things is once you decide to do it, you mentioned the 40 stages. So you must have a plan. Did you plan the whole year ahead or did you just let it go and see how it flows? So to answer your first part of the question, we need to go to Barcelona Let's in go. <laughs> our minds, where it happened. So that was beginning of 2020. I flew to Barcelona and I spent four days on a transformational weekend retreat with 10 amazing people around the world that I didn't know, met for the very first time. Most of them entrepreneurs, solo entrepreneurs, and people wanting to make impact in the world and do something for the community. So I went there and I was invited to join through my coaches, so Dario and, and Sebastian. So they organized this retreat and I spent four wonderful days discovering myself. 
And the goal was to work on our 10 years vision, what each one of us wants to achieve in, in 10 years. It was really very emotional experience. If any one of you have experienced this kind of retreats where you really go far, far, far away of where you usually are and you just surrender yourself and you allow yourself to start thinking about things that were always there in you. You wanted to achieve them, but life comes along, business as usual. There's like hectic in our daily lives and we just forget get all these dreams and all, all that we want to achieve in our life that has been always in us. So this is where it happened. So basically after I spent the first week of January there and when I came back to Vienna, it was very clear for me that I want and will start something. I need to start telling my story because it has been so long in me and I felt this is the moment. And I as well have been very much supported together with coaches and as well the whole group that I met there. So this was a very, very powerful experience, something beyond what I could imagine. When I said, yes, I'm coming, I packed my stuff and flew to Barcelona. So this is where it happens. So it's, it's this mission. So I will continue creating different missions through my life. And it's part of this 10-year vision. Mm -hmm. And one of the missions last year was this impacting 1,000 women. And as yourself, when you create these small missions, these goals, it has to be something tangible. I could not say, I will impact as many women as I can. True. Or you have to put a number. And this is where I said, okay, 1,000. And at the end were 10,000. And when I meet people who have followed my work a little bit, they say it was more than 10,000. And you, you, that was, when you said 1,000, that was so little. You could go way beyond and I say it's about impact. And as well, back then at, at that point, I, I'm full-time employed. I am serving on two boards. So as a vice president in the Female Leaders Network and in the Businesswoman of Bosnia-Herzegovina country. Mm -hmm. And this 1000 was idea back then, okay, I will have to go somewhere and I have to deliver the message. Okay, my full-time job, responsibilities, home, family, this and that. So like 1000 was an optimum number. And... Bear in mind that when I delivered the first talk on the 17th of February last year for the Female Leaders Network, that was the very first talk that I delivered. So I didn't have kind of master plan prepared in the background. And I definitely wasn't one of the people that was visible in the community that much, that was outspoken, that was normal, business as usual for me, yeah, just to go around and, and deliver different talks. For me, that was like as well, getting out of my comfort zone and just start talking, you know. And to answer your second question about the master plan behind it. Yes. Sometimes you put the intention and I know that sounds spiritual and holistic for some people, but you, you give this vibe, this energy into the world and say, this is what I want to do. And then somehow this bounces back and then people in your community start responding to it. So I didn't have a plan like on February, I want to deliver that many talks in March that I want to do this. And then in April, I said, I want to finish with 1000. And what happened is that there was a few major events that happened that took it to the next level. First event was when I met the CEO and the founder of Women Tech Network, Anna Radulovsky. So we met last year just before the lockdown in Vienna. Mm -hmm. Actually, Helga from the VEO Executive Academy introduced us because she knew what I want to achieve in that year. So I was very vocal at the beginning. Okay, this is what I want to do. So she introduced us at one dinner prior to the Darwin Circle Conference. 
And she said, you do need to talk. Mm-hmm. And that, that was it. And, and we spent five, 10 minutes talking. We exchanged the data and then LinkedIn contacts as well. And then I saw, okay, they're organizing this major women tech conference and I could apply as a speaker. So this was major. So this is what I did later on. I applied. I got to a speaking slot, a really, really good time. Almost 200 people joined. It was a major conference. So through that conference, I got the chance to meet many, 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 many other women and go to different stages and podcasts and do interviews and so on. So this was the major event. And it was prior to that, what happened was through LinkedIn, I announced what I'm going to do. And if my community knows someone who knows someone, and this is how it goes in life. And people know me. So it it was serious about it. It wasn't like, okay, something that I would like to do for a couple of months and then I'm off. The second major event that happened was the interview for Forbes here, Forbes Dach. That was as well major event. The interview happened just a week before the lockdown on the 6th of March, where Forbes was looking for some interviews and they asked their executive academy as one of their partners to provide a couple of names for the interviews. They went with my name and yeah, so they were very enthusiastic about this story from zero to 200, starting from scratch. So this is the second major event that happened that followed the moment when I was saying, okay, I really want to achieve this 1000 women and I want to tell my story and inspire others, create the impact and so on. So these are the two that took the mission to the next level. But it started with me getting out and saying, this is what I want to do. If someone can support me, and this was what picked it up. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, the third event was the Corona, actually, because I didn't have to travel anywhere. So I could (laughs) deliver any talk, anytime after work, anywhere in the world. So I could talk to people in the US, Canada, India, so That was a major event that for me, for my mission was very much successful. Yes. So this, this, this allowed me because one of the things that I was thinking before was like, how am I going to travel? So if I get this speaking engagement, whatever places, okay, how am I going to organize myself? How am I going to travel there? How is it going to look like with my business uh, and, and, and private life and so on and so forth? So those were the, the ideas that I had. But still, I said, I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to commit to this number. I'm going to commit to this mission because it's mine. It wasn't something that someone pushed me into it or someone that told me like you have to do it it was something that came out from me and I was living with it and the second thing as well is when you have these missions and these these goals and ideas when you announce them through your network and through your community then they kind of hold you accountable as well because you cannot go out of it then that's so true whenever they would meet me they would say okay and what's new and what did you do and and how is this going and how's your mission and so on and so forth so it was also as a person i don't need much of accountability someone that needs you know kind of push me to that when i commit to something then i can really i say i'm i'm committed to this and i'm going to do that and i will find the ways and this is how the things have unfolded through these major events, and then it was just executing. It was just invitation after the invitation. And it was mostly people listening to me to one or the other conference or one of the other workshops that I gave. And they said, I really love your story. It resonates so much with me. You have to come and tell it to my community. 
And that's how it scaled. Mm -hmm. So it was just going from one community to another, from one interview to another. And I must say, social media helped enormously into that, especially LinkedIn, as you and I are very much active on LinkedIn. And I was using really strategically. So every post was related to that mission, to some workshop, to some talks, to some inspiration, to the impact, to networking, mentoring, and so on. So it was very much supporting. So I was using LinkedIn as the way to support and propel the mission. Excellent. And I also noticed that when you tell your story to the people in your network, it somehow spreads and it helps you really reach your goal. It's like magic. So people, if you're listening to this, just do as Adela said, just talk to the others and have your message across. So Adela, now before moving to your success in Austria, mm-hmm. I want to ask you one question, which I'm think may be related to what you have inside or to the revelation that you have. What do you wish you had known when you were seven years old? And I mean about the world in general. So if I think when I was seven, uh, my world back when I was seven was very, very, very small world. And since you and I come from the same region, when I was seven, it was the Balkan War. So my world was very, very much different back then. Yeah. And what I remember from those days is that I wish that I had a house on wheels <laughs> and that I could take my house and my toys and all of that with me. And I was wondering why there are no houses on the wheels. <laughs> <laughs> and why why I have to leave my house and, and my belongings and everything that I know and then move it from one place to another during the war. So mm. that's that's a very, very specific time in my life. And I still believe in the good in the world. I still believe that our actions, that we as individuals can impact other people and change other people's lives. And sometimes that's not much. You know, sometimes we think, okay, I could do more. I could do more. Why didn't I help 10,000 or 100,000 women or why I didn't do like five scholarships why did I do one scholarship and so on what I can say is that my life was shaped with those early experiences and through all my life I've been very much supported and there were many people who believed in me so and that's what kept me going even in those tragic times there are some good things and there are some positive things and i think that we can all relate nowadays what is happening in the world and in general i am the one who looks at the bright side and trying to find good good positive things in in the world and around me and in me and maybe that was as well shaped back when i was 7 moving from one place to another because you have to believe that there will be a good outcome mm that you will survive, that your family is going to be well too, and that somewhere at some point this craziness back then will stop and then you will come back and you will restart your life. And along that way, you cannot lose this goodness and this good spirit and believing that there is good in life because there is good in life. And there are people who believe in others and ready to support one another. Absolutely true. I agree 100%. Now, you mentioned moving. Every time you you move, Mm -hmm. you start somehow from zero, right? Yeah. Once you start moving, maybe you never stop. Maybe that's the only actual, like they say, change is the only permanent thing. So 
I want to go back now to the time when you first got to Austria and you had to start from zero. Mm. I would like you to tell us about your story. You also have your YouTube channel where you speak about it. Mm -hmm. It's called Making It in Austria. So I want to hear from you about how you made it, how hard it was. And uh, what was your plan? Is there any blueprint you can give yeah. to someone who's coming to Austria and trying to make it there? Definitely. One thing that you need to know about me is I love change. So if it gets, you know, monotone and boring, then I am out. If you look at the things that I do, projects that I do, companies and, and industry that I've been involved, there's always this change around me. So I cannot, that's that's a good <laughs> good thing and can be seen as, as a bad thing because I always need this. I love engaging into new, new places, meeting new people. Technology is also one of the reasons why I'm there because there are so much happening and then it always keeps you awake. And there's, there's just lots of flows of ideas and energy and vibration and so on and so forth. But back to when we moved to Austria, you know, my husband and I, we, we grew up in, both of us, we grew up in, in Bosnia and Herzegovina. So we come from the same place, same village, more or less. So we both studied in, in, in Sarajevo. So we moved when we were 18. So we moved to Sarajevo. We started studying there. Electrical engineering, he, studying, uh, he studied civil engineering. And we always had this feeling that it's too small, that the life around us was too small. It's like, okay. And especially since we are not a part of the European Union, uh, so Bosnia and Herzegovina is not part of the European Union, traveling was a luxury back then. So it wasn't really much an option so that you just, as a student, you want all this full experience. You want to travel, you want to meet people, you, of course, you, you want to study and, and so on. But this, this experience was somehow missing. I felt like it's not complete experience. And moving to Austria and moving abroad was always one of our goals because we said we want to give it a try and I don't want to be a person who thinks like in 10 years if we would have done this then our lives would be different so we felt that we own that to ourselves and to our children and grandchildren we just want to go out and experience the world and this feeling of freedom you know that's what we have related with the European Union and then we felt in Bosnia that we are just kind of trapped in like one box and nothing is moving like when you come to a room and it's stuffed air so you need to open the windows and and this this was for us opening the windows just spreading our wings and going out and that's how we decided for austria so basically it's very close to our families so we are very much very much close in in contact so with with our family and as well we are kind of building this bridge between bosnia and and austria so this connection never stopped so this relationship never stopped it's just it went to the different level and we now can even more support communities back in bosnia who are investing in, in education young people new leaders and so on and so forth so for us the story is that we packed our stuff literally so we packed our stuff set on on the bus and came to austria on a student visa because we need a reason to stay in austria and even though we had the, the master degrees even though we had the work experience back in our home country we needed reason to stay in austria so you have to have some kind of reason or otherwise you have to after three months you have to go back to your home country as a tourist for instance so we applied again to the technical university we came here 
And we started from scratch. That meant for us back then, my day was very much structured in that time. We had these six months, we committed to six months. So we had money for six months. So to pay the rent and to pay for the classes, German classes, for food, utilities, and so on and so forth. So we had savings for, for six months and we said, okay, we will give our best in these six months. And if that doesn't work out, we will figure out something else. Either we go back to Bosnia or we start some, some student jobs for 20 hours and so on and so forth. So it was just now we are here, we focus on finding a job. And my day was very much, you know, split between German classes, meeting people and spending hours searching for a job. So the, the job market website like Carriere.ate, Stepstone, Monster and so on and so forth. We came here. And so we didn't do much of research back then before we came here because we said we are going there and we are fully committed to that. Back then we had a full-time jobs. So you come home and then in the evening, maybe you will look for a website, maybe you look for a job, maybe you'll apply, maybe you're not and so on. So we said we are coming here and we are fully committed to that. And little I know about the, the job market here in, in Austria, especially how many women are in the tech field or IT field. So that was quite a big surprise for me back then. And it was a quite a big plus, I would say. So it was a positive surprise, right? Yes. Okay. It was a very, very positive surprise because especially when I went to the interviews and I, in a sense, like they were looking at me and they were like, you graduated from the technical university? You have masters, and I said yes. That's nothing unusual because where I come from, it's I have I have had like fifty percent of women in my classes, so it's it's normal. I'm not an exception, so it's it's more of a rule. And when I came here, so it was just starting this this whole women in tech initiatives, different communities, associations. It just started, and especially the technology started developing even faster. So there was much more room to join different companies. There was different jobs, opportunities, and so on. So what I did back then is what I can advise everyone who's thinking about moving to, to different country is about really mapping your skills, your experience, your education to the job market. So I wasn't the one who sent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of CVs. I sent maybe altogether 10 CVs and I at the end had been invited to all these interviews and I got at the end of the day two job offers that I could choose from. How did you choose the companies to to send your CVs to? So one of them, I tell you again, it has a lot to do with networking. It has a lot to do with as well with the, with the gut feeling and uh, people that you meet. So basically one of the offers that I got was from the Tele2. It's a Swedish corporation, a Swedish group. And the brand was well known to me from Croatia because they are well known in, in Croatia. So I had a little bit of idea who they are, about their culture. I liked this, this black sheep and being a black sheep and being different and doing things differently. So how did we meet? So there was a career calling event so for a couple of days where the companies would come and present themselves. And I went there with few of CV and I just went around and of course you had the usual suspects here like Siemens, Kapsch, A1, T-Mobile and so on and so forth. So usual suspect in my, in I would say in my industry. And there was also Tele2 
And I knew them as a brand. And immediately I went there and I, I started talking to them. I said, okay. And I started talking in my broken German because I was learning German back then. So I, I just came here and started learning the language. Mm-hmm. So I started talking to them in, in German. I had my CV, if I remember, in, in English. And uh, yeah, we started talking. The HR was there and the first manager in line was there as well to give uh, an idea of what this job is all about and so on and represent the company. And imagine that the next year, so 2014, they are starting their trainee program for the very first time. And it's very much influenced by the trainee program in Sweden and the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. And they are starting for the very first time and they're looking for young people like myself. And they would love to invite me for the interview. And German is is good to know, but if if I, English is a company's language, and they will continue, you know, paying classes. You, I will be supported the first six months to nine months with with classes, and they all speak English and so on and so forth. So this was how we met. Mm-hmm. And, and then just immediately after that, the first interview followed, the second interview followed, and basically after the second interview, one hour later, they called me and said, "You got the job," and it was like. It was just, wow. It was 6th of, of December, 2013. And when I finished the interview, I, of course, called my husband and came back home and I saw a missed call. And I was like, oh my God, this, this cannot be, this cannot be right. <laughs> Calling me after the interview right away. Then I just found the, the, the courage to call them back. And they said, yeah, we would love to have you on our team. And I was in the meantime, the second job offer that I got was from the Technical University here in Vienna, telecommunication department. So they were looking for, for an assistant and a PhD candidate. And how did I get to know that there is this job? It was when I came here, I decided to go because I was a student. Officially, I was a student, even though I had my, my degree from Bosnia, which is recognized here. I, I decided to go for a couple of classes just to see, okay, what, what they are teaching them here. So I don't know how different it is. I was curious about all of that, how different it is, what they're teaching here, which books they use and which examples, which methods they, they apply. So I went there and I visited a few classes. And then the professor told us, Professor Zebi, Tanya Zebi said they are having open positions. And uh, if someone from, from us would like to apply or if, we, if someone knows someone, then go ahead and apply. And this is what I did. I applied for, for that position. And after that, they called me for the interview and I got that job as well. But the, they were kind of late with they were kind of late with administration, how it is at the university. So it, it took them a little bit, a couple of days longer. And the moment I was applying for the Rotweisrot, so the working permit here, I came home and opened my box and see they they sent me a contract. So somehow you know the destiny, so the life played played a big role in here. And yeah, I I don't I don't regret for for a moment to go into the corporate world and all the experience that I have. And yeah, so that means as well the the way I got these jobs as was through initiatives, going out, meeting people, introducing myself, going to a places where where I thought I have the best chances. So I wasn't just randomly sending CVs, but really going to that specific career calling event and chasing that company that I knew. Okay, I know them. Let's go there, and then it happens that they have a training program that opens. So it's kind of creating this, I think the, the, the English word would be this serendipity. So it's not luck. It's like you are getting yourself out there. You're showing up your face and you're, you're telling people, look, look, I'm looking for a job. This is the competence, the skills, the experience that I bring. 
and getting out there as well with the university. I went at the university, I listened to a few few classes and that opened the door. I was there and they said, okay, we're looking for someone in, uh, to join our team. So this is again, creating this environment for yourself. And I continue doing that th- through my career. And this is a very similar experience that people that I interview for making it in Austria have. They share a very similar experience like myself. They all say, look for the job market, look how you can map it to your skills, experiences, and look for for the network, get out there, show your face. Expect sometimes as well that you will have to start from scratch. Mm-hmm. Because what you had in your home country, some of people like I had a managerial position back in Bosnia. And when I came here in Austria, I saw like, okay, it's, it's a different world here. I studied all their job requirements. And I would see, okay, this is different. This is different. If I want to compete on the management level, I need to know, for instance, German. I need to know the, the job market. I need to know people here. I need to know, know many things. And how it is, if you're good and competent and know what what you're doing and you're ready to roll up your sleeve and do the work, I was ready to start from a a lower position, from the trainee position, which is a really, really good position here in Austria. I would advise to anyone if they have a chance to experience it because it gives you the opportunity to get to know the company, the whole company, every department, every single person. You have the access to everything. And after the six to nine months, you can decide where do you want to go. You can pick and choose. And this is a major opportunity. And back in in Tele2, our CEO back then, he as well started as a trainee. So it it is not like position, like you're downgraded majorly. No, you're starting fresh. And if you have the capabilities that you claim you have, this is a good test. And within six months, I was, for instance, within the six months, I was promoted to the first, to the full-time position. And from there, I stayed there for, for a year and moved into the global unit. So in making it in Austria, it's about being very honest with yourself, realizing, okay, what is that I bring to the table? And how I can map that to the current job market situation. So do the market research, as they say, map it. And sometimes accepting one position below your position that you had in your home country is okay. Because if you have what it takes, you will very, very, very fast get to that point and even even further. Got it. But start from somewhere. You have to start for somewhere. I was like, I'm not going to sit at home and think about it. What if then? And waste my time. I want to go out and and I want to start working as soon as possible. Now, I want to go technical with you and ask you about IoT and the future work in general. Can you give us some examples of what IoT actually is? in the practical sense of the word. Mm-hmm. Because probably many people have heard about it, but not many have a clear idea what Internet of Things is actually. The good news is that more or less probably everyone experienced the, the IoT in their daily life. So each one of us, and especially in this Corona time and in, in the future. So what the IoT is, is basically a very connected world. So let's say we say IoT slash connected world. That means everything that you see around yourself in the best case scenario should talk to one another. So if you think about your connected home, I don't know, your thermostat. So when when there's this great commercial a couple of years back from Bosch, I think, and as well from, from Tele, there was this commercial about IoT. So you're getting out, you're finishing your work, you're just pressing the button and then your car starts and your car is a smart car. So it takes you home and on 
on the way the home. It informs your apartment that you will be there in 10 minutes and then the thermostat is, is on and your lights are on because it's late in the evening and it orders your food from your favorite restaurant or checks if there's something like milk missing in, in your fridge and so on and so forth. So this is this is the you know kind of ultimate goal. Like everything is connected, every device is talking to to one another, exchanging the information in a real time, making decisions in the real time. But if you don't have that, it is kind of smart home. I don't have it in my work. I'm just obsessed about it. And when I come home, I, I'm very analog. So very much different, very much different life. And for instance, if you went to the airport and you went for a vending machine to take a coffee or water, that machine is most probably connected to some server in the of, of that specific company, and it communicates with with that with that server, telling it, okay, I have now enough cola or I, I, you need to bring more cola or more water in the coming two hours, or when this machine needs, needs a maintenance, for instance, for some reason, the payment is not working or whatever, it doesn't give you your drinks, what you have ordered, or it's, it's messed up a little bit, then this machine sends a message, short message to the, to the server and saying, okay, now you can send someone from the service staff to come and, and check this machine. Or you went to the to the supermarket and you paid by card. So all these terminals, they in, in most cases from from some of the companies are connected, so they exactly know where they are, how they operate, and if something happens, to if they're not working, so then they send the message to the server, and then someone comes and picks it up and take care of it, so that it's functional again. Hmm. And many, many, many other examples, like connected. Dogs, pets, uh, with connected pets, so every with with the colors, so that you know exactly where where your dog is, or if it goes missing, they can find it, and and so on. So it's it is probably that probability now, especially during this corona, that most of us have experienced this IoT or machine to machine. It was called machine to machine before, and big data in one way or the other, either at home or at work. We had machines that were as well connected, and you could order a drink from your office and then go to the kitchen and pick it up. The drink is waiting for you. How will the 5G network infrastructure accelerate the usefulness of IoT? Because last time I was in Vienna, I saw that 5G network was really implemented already. In different ways, in different ways. What 5G brings with, it, with itself is just more bandwidth more speed, higher speeds. And this is important for certain applications, like let's say this connected car, the smart car application. In that case, the speed of processing the data needs to be very, very fast. So it's not, it cannot be that the, the car needs minutes to decide if it's, now it's red and, and it needs to stop or now it's green, it needs to uh, move forward. So this is the idea that for certain applications, of course, it will, it will open the door to more opportunities and more various applications, especially for the application that needs very high speed, low latency. Hmm. This is what 5G is betting on. But for normal application, the ones that I have told you before, you would be surprised that many of these applications are running on 2G, 3G. They don't need so much data, such, such a fast transfer of the data, like, for instance, connected car or, I don't know, robots in, in the factory. So the faster the decision it needs to make, then you need more, more data and the lower latency so that the system or the server in the background can make a faster decision. Mm. 
So you, you see that the world is accelerating, really. Change is accelerating, and it seems almost exponentially accelerating, and we can't keep up with developments. So I want to ask you now, based on all these things that you just mentioned about IoT and 5G networks, and who knows, maybe very soon the 6G network and so on, could you tell us what we are in for in the next five years, if that's not looking too far into the future because every year is changing drastically. So what do you think technology will give us in the next five years? How will our lives be better yeah. in five years? Well, if I tell you that in 2015, so this in 2015 when I joined the, the IoT team, so it was, as I said, called the back then big data and machine to machine, People were very much companies and people were very much skeptical. You know, there was like, okay, th this is never going to fly. And this video, this, this picture that I have mentioned to you, like everything, you get out of the office and the car is waiting for you. You are on the way home. The food is waiting for you. Everything is connected. So this was the video that we had back in 2014, 2015. And sometimes we are way, way, way ahead. So especially if you're in the tech field, you're way ahead than what, what people can absorb, what, what you can think of it. And that's why the tech companies are usually creating this environment. And sometimes it needs like five to 10 years to realize. So it might seem very fast. If you look from the outside, so it might look very, very, very fast. It goes very fast. But I, as I said, I saw those those videos five years ago, some of this idea came true, some of them didn't. So maybe that can be a little bit calming for that it's not that it's not so fast. You know, for us in the tech industry, we would like to have it go like really, really faster. But you have to realize, okay, where is the state of society? And of course, it will be going to go in, in, in a way of more and more automatization. So that's, that's very much clear. We have seen that, especially in the last year. So what this corona and the lockdowns did for, for the digital transformation, so for changing the way we did business, was more than what we did with the last five years, where we tried to get the companies to automize their processes or get more efficient or productive with introducing more technology in their daily work. So I want to rephrase my question before. What videos are you watching right now? <laughs> no. So maybe we'll be living that in five years from now. <laughs> none, none of them, Chido. So I'm reading mostly books and mostly books and, and articles. But you're right. So there will be, of course, the technology will not stop. The progress is not going to stop. In the telco industry, for instance, we will move more than from talking about the connectivity probably it's going to be more talking about applications, services, platform. I would like to see more simplification. That would be my wish if there's some, some one thing to simplify as well from the consumer point of view, but as well from for, for the companies as well. As you, if you have seen that Deutsche Telekom, for instance, they are looking into this IoT hubs kind of things where they bring major players and more, more partners together so that they can offer a more simplified solution for the companies, especially small and medium companies, because they are struggling with this innovation and the digital transformation because they, they don't have the resources, the capabilities, and they are not well equipped. It's a different story for large enterprises where they have specific departments who can you know, think about it 
uh, in a way, what is the next innovation they want to bring to the market. So, but for us, ordinary people, so the co- consumers, I would wish to see more, more simplification and bringing more services, useful services, because there's a lot of things that are happening, you know, out there that are just for the sake of it. But you don't see a real, not yet a real use in the, in the society. Like lots of these these robots, humanoid robots. Okay, they they will be useful at some point and in in some applications, like this Sophia, the robot. But it's not something that you and I are going to have sitting next to us and working with us. I don't see it in that way. I see it more as a way where we work together. So where kind of this automatization and these this robots are taking over some of these dual tasks and we humans then have the opportunity to use our creativity, our analytical skills, our Im- imagination in creating some other products and, and, and really focusing on what we love to do. Now I want to add something to that because you actually speak about creativity. Mm-hmm. And one of your favorite poems is The Road Not Taken by Robert Frost. Yes. <laughs> I'll just read the end of it. Two roads diverged in the wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. What does this mean to you? It's my life. It's what I what I have been doing through my life. It's it's always taking the different road, a different approach. Uh, think about me growing up in Bosnia, in, in a very 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 small place, being the top student, coming to to you know beating all the odds, being the first woman that from from our big big family that goes to to university, that firstly goes to high school to gymnasium, then secondly that my father lets me go to study. Then finishing the studies and not settling for for that little in Bosnia and saying I want more. And when we told that to our friends, they all thought we are crazy. Why why are you leaving here where you are where you have a job and it's it's okay. It's not that that it's not perfect, but it's it's you you can have a normal living. And we we said we want more. Then when I came here, you know, always trying something getting the first job and then seeing, okay, this is, I want more. And then moving to the IoT field where I was the second person in in the whole team. And when it was like a question mark for all of my colleagues and and my manager back then saying, you know, you have a safe job here and now you want to go and and into the IoT. And it's, it's a new unit who knows if this is going to work out or not or what is going to happen. And when I interviewed for the IoT position, I Googled what the IoT is before. So, so much to that. And the night before I was like, okay, what is this? What is, what does this mean? I have no, I have to figure it out because I have an interview tomorrow with, with my first boss. It's like, ah, and again, then so coming in the IoT, then I, okay, this is, I want more and I want something different. Starting the MBA and being one of the very, very, very few, I think in, in top five who, who did an MBA out of 300 people that we had back then. And, and so on and so forth. And now with, with the mission and, and back then move after the MBA, moving from the telco industry to the software industry, because realizing, okay, this is, you know, telco is a, is a very, it is progressive, but again, very slow environment. You know, I said, if I go five years to the software industry and everything is getting uh, software where I now work, I can always go back to the to telco and it will be more or less the same. Okay. And so I was, I'm always kind of this, this person that when everybody goes right, I go, I go left. And <laughs> it, it served me very well. You know, and, and it's part of my personality. It's part of my personality. It's something, it's nothing that I push and force. 
It's just, I want to know what is happening out there. So it's behind those closed doors or behind that curtain. I just want to know. In the end, Adela, I would like to ask you to tell us something more about your efforts in the VU Executive Academy Female Leadership Network. Mm -hmm. And your objective, we started our conversation talking about your goal in 2020 to inspire 1,000 women and managing actually to inspire tens of thousands. But now you're vice president of the network and what are your goals for the future? Mm -hmm. And what would be your advice to women who are thinking about whether they should embark on, on a career in tech? I think you've already covered a lot of ground speaking about tech and how you did it and how you actually chose the path that was really less traveled, but is there anything you would like to add there or if you have any personal thoughts or something you want to share with us? So when it comes to the Female Leaders Network, is it's it's an amazing community. It's beyond our expectations, let's put it that way, how fast we grew over the last, it's basically two and a half years. In September, we will be three, three years old and we hope that we will be able to get together at the, the wonderful VU campus and meet for our big third uh, year. And this Female Leaders Network is an amazing initiative that was, was started with a uh, few founders who had the idea okay, to kind of bring us closer and create this, this space where we can talk about things, challenges, business, career, and so on. Something that keeps us busy at night, you cannot sleep, and create this environment where we can share among one another, support one another, inspire one another, you know, care for one another. So it's it's basically it's basically that where we serve the community of the Vero Executive Academy in in different ways, shapes and forms, to different events, inviting various speakers, talking to topics that are of interest for for the community, like career and mom. When you're a mom, how do you still keep up with your career? And what if you're moving abroad? And how do you organize your life around that? Or recently we had Making It Abroad. So it was as, as well, again, the community coming together where we, three of us, four of us actually shared our experience of how to succeed abroad and what are the best strategies around that. In the future, we are planning as well events around entrepreneurship because we see that we have this department of specialization, entrepreneurship, innovation, and we want to see how we can even more foster that topic because we are not there where we want to be. So it's not that every uh, woman after the MBA is starting her own company. It's not the, the goal, but for us, it's, it's very important that we are this place where we offer information. So we offer context, we offer inspiration, we offer stories, success stories, promotions, just for women who are considering an MBA as well and who did an MBA to have this, this perspective. Okay, this is what's all possible and this is what all these women did and hopefully to inspire some of the others to even grow their career even further. And we see every day a new success story from, from our community where women are really taking the lead and start being the first women in, in the beer industry now. Just recently, I saw, saw the news that Gabriela Straka is also one of our alumni. She is now going to be the first CEO She's going to lead the company from this Brown Union beer company. I believe that it's it's amazing news. It's it's something. It's a, such inspirational news, and we are there basically to create this space where this information uh, and inspiration flows, and to serve the community and support there in in different ways based on what they want to hear from us. 
So it's a great initiative and it was, it's greatly supported from the VAO Executive Academy, from the whole community engagement team, and of course, from the, from our dean, Professor Dr. Baba Stöttinger. Without her, it would be, without all that support, uh, would be really hard to get where we are at the moment. And I must say that our community, so the, everyone who is involved from the, the whole team and the board members and the founders, so we are enthusiastic and eager to get so many great ideas out there as we were the first day, maybe even stronger. And we are building different hubs and we are just getting closer and closer to all the VEU executive alumna and supporting them in, uh, in a way to start their own hubs, start their own initiatives in, the, in their own region and so that they are supported and powered from our side and they can start creating that dialogue with, with the whole community because that's what makes MBA specifically makes it special because it's about this community, about this network that you create. Of course, on one side, you will learn so many new concepts, ideas and so on and so forth. So you will be very much challenged on that front. But this other 50% is, of course, the network to getting to know as many people as possible and to connect them in the best way so that there's always these ideas come and we are in the, you and I are in a very very privileged position I would say so it's it's a decision that we have made that we have around 4,000, 5,000 alumni all over the world that we can easily tap into it, be it for a career, be it for the start of business or just have a chat with someone. So that's that's the major. I agree. Yeah. I agree. So one more question. You just inspired me to ask you this one. Mm -hmm. Who is your role model, female role model as a leader? I have a role models from my surrounding. Of course, one of my role models is, and then the person that I want to have lunch with is Michelle Obama. Mm -hmm. So I hope that we meet. So I have a good feeling that we are going to meet at some point in my life. And as well, of course, role models around me. So like I mentioned you at the beginning of this CEO and founder of Women Tech Network, Anna Radulovsky, who is, I believe, around 30. Mm -hmm. And and she what, what she created is unbelievable. She created the event that we had last year. Over 100,000 people joined. Wow. That's, that's, that's huge. That's, kind of, that's really, really huge. And she has, you know, ambassadors. They call it ambassadors all around the world that are close to the, the local community and that they are bringing more and more women and girls into the tech industry and showing them that there are different ways how you can get in the in the tech industry. It doesn't have to be just from you study at the technical university, you end up in the tech. There are many, many different ways how people end up in tech and that's what we need. We need this collective effort and different initiatives that support one another, collaborate with one another so that we can spread out the world and offer these inspiring stories and, and role models. So I'm, I'm very much a person who is not like, okay, of course, looking at the people who are 10, 15, 20 years ahead of me, right? So I'm very much curious about people my age who are creating an inspiring, you know, uh, communities. And then they're, they're like shaking the world. You see like, oh my God, she, she just, she, she just did it. And, and next event is going to even, this year is going to even be bigger. Or one of my colleagues from, from Bosnia and Herzegovina, Maya Hadjiselmovic, She's also as well a young woman, a female leader who's in the tech industry. She's in, in robotics and she's as well, you know, so much involved into IT. So there's a community back in, in Boston, Herzegovina called IT Girls, and she's spending every single minute 
of her free time, making sure that there's different workshops, that they are like mentoring, they have the mentoring program, that they're inviting new role models for young girls to see, aha, this is how it looks like. It's possible. There are women around us that are making something that is imaginable for them and so on and so forth. So I'm really much looking for role models from my from my environment, I would say, attaching to them and finding the ways how we can collaborate together, how we can support one another, how we can spread the message. And we did with Women Tech, I did one of the projects and I'm now mentored there as well because I love the community so much. And with IT girls as well, so different kind of initiatives and projects to support one way or the, or the other because that's what I, what I like. It's about giving to people around yourself and, and not any engaging. So I would like to invite everyone to engage in the local communities around you. So finding the cause, something that bothers you and something that you would like to change and start somewhere. Start with, with first workshop or the first initiative or the first talk or whatever that is. And not just, you know, think about, yeah, it's possible in the US, it's possible in, in wherever, in Silicon Valley, I need to be there for that to happen to me and so on. No, look around yourself and see what people are doing. So and find inspiration in the local heroes who are thinking global, as they taught us when we were kids, you know, think globally, act locally. And this is kind of people that I'm always looking at and I find the inspiration in them. Adela, thank you so much. It was a real privilege talking to you, and I'm sure we'll actually have the opportunity to meet again and chat because there's so much more things I would like to ask you, and uh, we'll leave something for, for some future occasion. So in the meantime, enjoy welcoming the newest addition to your family, and thank you so much. See you, see you around. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and let's connect on, on LinkedIn or where we are connect. Yeah, yes. let's keep the conversation. You will have all the links to, to Adela's LinkedIn profile and her YouTube channel and everything in the description. Thank you so much. And until next time. Hello again. Thank you for listening to this episode of VEU Executive Academy podcast, Know How to Inspire. Now, one more thing before you go. Please subscribe to our channel on SoundCloud, Spotify, and iTunes, or check out our website at www.executiveacademy.at forward slash podcast. That is executiveacademy.at forward slash podcast. Last but not least, spread the word, because the more you share knowledge, the more inspiring it gets.